I'm your health coach, Melissa Lee. Here at Thriving with Nourishment Health, I provide women with the resources to reclaim fertility and celebrate periods through the lens of functional medicine. It is time to empower ourselves with natural solutions over band-aid medicines. We will get to the root cause of symptoms to see the bigger picture. Let us find the ability to heal ourselves, get back to Mother Nature, and live in a healthier world. Hi everyone, say hi to Leah Carroll. She's a registered nurse and certified health coach. She also, also holds a master's degree in nutrition from Lasalle University. She strongly believes that our daily choices, including the foods that we eat and the way that we move, have a major impact on our well-being and overall health. She's experienced in fertility coaching, and today we're going to be focusing on nutrition and conceiving. So I first got to know Leah on a Facebook Live, and I felt like she was able to um, explain nutritional concepts really well and also hormonal concepts. So I'm really excited to have her on. So welcome, Leah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to get started. Um, so maybe, you know, just let the audience um, know more about you. How did you even get into like the whole women's health sphere and fertility coaching? Sure. Yeah. So I started off my career as a nurse. Um, I worked in hospice nursing originally up in the Boston area, Boston, Massachusetts. And, um, you know, I saw patient after patient dying of preventable conditions. And after a while, it became very, um, very frustrating. But also, I felt like there was more that I could be doing, not only as a nurse, but also, you know, helping these people learn that, you know, they're their end doesn't have to be painful or um, too soon, right? So that's how I got into preventative health. And really um, the first step of that was learning more about nutrition and how powerful food can be and uh, the concept of food as medicine. Um, so from that point, I decided to get my health coaching certification and go back to school, as you mentioned, to get a master's degree in nutrition. Um, and then I kind of tracked back a little bit. So I worked in a hospital for a little bit. Um, and then from my own personal experience dealing with coming off of hormonal birth control, I um, realized that unfortunately, a lot of our Western medicine uh, physicians and providers, they're not giving us the recommendations um, that sometimes are necessary. So for example, I told my OB that I wanted to I was engaged at the time. I was ready to think about starting a family within the next couple of years. And she told me, oh, no, stay on the pill until you're ready to come off. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, I decided to come off anyway, and I did not get my period back. It took a while of really focusing on uh, properly nourishing my body and moving my body the right way in order to, um, to get my cycle back to a somewhat regular right. phase. And I think that that's a big disservice to a lot of women who expect that, you know, they are going to come right off the pill and then get pregnant right away. And although that may happen for some women, for a lot of women, it doesn't. Um, and also being on the pill for so many years can definitely cover up many underlying conditions, such as, you know, something that your audience is familiar with PCOS or, you know, any other kind of hormonal imbalance. So that is essentially how I got into this. And I really okay. feel that fertility is the crux of preventative 
uh, health because um, we're learning so much about epigenetics and the study of, you know, the impact of the mother's fetal womb or the fetal environment um, and how that can impact the baby years to come down there, you know, down the road in their life. Nice. Um, I love that, you know, you're on your own personal journey too. With this, um, just a quick question. You know, when you got off the birth control, um, when you said that it was hard to get your periods back, like, was it like intermittent coming back or what did you experience mm -hmm. like, you know, an absence of like a few months and then it started reappearing? What yes. did that look like? So I did not get it back at all for probably about maybe five months and then I would get it once and then another month, couple of months went by and I'd get it again. Um, and every time I got it, I was yeah. so excited. I would scream. I'm like, yes, I got my period. And I never thought that that would be me, but it is, mm. it is an exciting thing when you start to see your, your cycle coming back because it's very, um, it's very frustrating and also mm -hmm. disheartening when, you, when it's not coming back, you know? Right. Yeah. So. I've had also clients who hasn't gotten their periods back. Um, and then on the flip side of the coin, it's really weird because I've known maybe like two or three people in my own sphere that mm -hmm. was on the birth control pill and they went off the pill and then they got pregnant right away. So I feel like it's, you know, really kind of frustrating because you feel like you could be in that boat, but then you're not. Mm -hmm. And so I think what you're doing with the whole fertility coaching and just letting women know that, hey, this is a potential side effect. Um, I think it really helps. Yeah, thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and so what are some, you know, you're based on a lot of nutrition. So what are some foods that, you know, we should pay attention to when we're trying to conceive? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, again, I'm a registered nurse and I do have a master's in nutrition, but I'm not a dietitian. So I never make, you know, very specific recommendations about how much food somebody should be eating or make any meal plans or anything like that. But what I try to do is guide my clients on eating the most nutrient dense, um, the, the least processed foods possible. So a lot of my recommendations, and also if you're somebody who's familiar with um, you know, the, the more holistic, uh, period, <laughs> um, period pros out there, I guess, like Dr. Brighton and, um, Nicole Jardim. Yes. Oh, there's tons of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, their recommendations are generally based on foods that aren't really what our, you know, conventional American guidelines are recommending. And so I kind of dug a little bit deeper into that, like, where is all this coming from? Where am I finding all this research? And it's based on, um, most of these recommendations are based on ancestral nutrition and the research of a dentist known as Dr. Weston Price, who studied indigenous populations. And he found all these amazing correlations between, um, focusing on preconception nutrition and a real food nutrient dense diet and positive um, health outcomes, positive reproductive outcomes. So basically some of those foods are whole fat dairy products, specifically um, grass fed, minimally processed. There's research to support that women who consume whole fat dairy products tend to have better fertility outcomes than women who consume low fat dairy products. And I'm sure we'll get into the reasoning behind that, you know, throughout today, but yeah. that's, that's one thing because I think sometimes dairy is demonized in our society, mm -hmm. but if you don't have a dairy sensitivity, it can be a really beneficial food for fertility. 
Um, the other one is eggs. So these are like the power, <laughs> little power bombs I feel for women when it comes to nutrition, because not only are they a great source of protein, they're also a great source of cholesterol. Um, they have very high levels of choline and vitamin B. And um, those nutrients specifically are extremely important for babies' um, brain development. So even before, you know, you might know you're pregnant, your baby's organs are starting to develop. So it's super important to have um, a well-stocked preconception mm -hmm. nutrient store um, before even getting pregnant. Um, you know, the first couple of weeks of pregnancy, you feel nauseous and you don't want to eat and you have food aversions and um, a smelling a cooked egg is probably not on <laughs> like the best thing in the right. world in those first few weeks. So making sure that again, your preconception um, health is as optimal as possible. Um, another food that I like my clients to focus on getting in at least maybe once or twice a week is some sort of seafood. Mm -hmm. So cold water fatty fish. Um, or shellfish is a great option. Um, shellfish has tons of nutrients in it, specifically zinc um, and iron that supports your thyroid. Um, it also just is a real great, um, real great food for fertility because they have high levels of omega-3s. Um, so that's seafood. And then grass-fed, pasture-raised animal products. So specifically, one of those is liver, grass-fed liver. And people kind of give liver a bad rap because, you know, it is kind of the organ that detoxifies from our right. bodies. But, um, but really, it also contains some of the highest amounts and most bioavailable sources of important nutrients like folate. Um, and then, you know, just foods that support your gut microbiome. There's some research out there that shows how important a mother's um, gut diversity is for the impact, you know, the impact on the child and the, um, their gut health and autoimmune conditions down the road and things like that. So supporting your gut with um, probiotics, whether that become, you know, comes from food or specialized um, if you're working with a practitioner, um, also just, you know, bone broth it has an amazing um, amino acid profile that can help su support and also um, heal your gut lining. Um, and then the last really is just fruits and veggies. And that one's so <laughs> simple and it sounds right. ridiculous, but honestly, fruits and veggies are still the most powerful sources of antioxidants and fiber and all those great things. So those are usually the foods that I have my clients focus on the most when it comes to fertility and prepping your body for preconception. Okay, nice. So I wrote all of that down. So I'll put that awesome. in the show notes <laughs> for people. Um, okay, so I just want to dive a little bit into the whole dairy and the eggs thing, because I know sure. that there are some people who are sensitive mm -hmm. to that. So yeah. if, you know, if someone has like a lactose intolerance or mm -hmm. if they are sensitive to dairy, um, you know, would they be able to tolerate whole fat dairy or, you know, is, is that just a no, no? Yeah. So I guess it kind of depends on your level of lactose intolerance. There is an option that's better um, for dairy. So you could try goat's milk. Um, also a milk produced by cows or I'm sorry, cows produced. So I guess there's a type of protein in the conventional dairy that we tend to eat that many people are sensitive to. But that wasn't the same type of dairy that our ancestors were eating. Um, they were typically consuming dairy products from cows who produced A2 milk. Um, and there are some products out there now, um, I think there's actually an A2 milk. Um, and so some people that have dairy sensitivities 
um, might do better with that A2 milk or other uh, breeds of cattle who produce A2 milk. And some of those are Jersey, Guernsey, Asian, and African breeds. Um, and so, you know, if you can find dairy or local dairy that's produced by those cows, you might do better uh, with digesting <laughs> and okay. tolerating the dairy. Right. And would that include like cheese as well? I know cheese is a really big thing. Yeah. <laughs> so same thing with the cheese. Um, again, if you can find grass-fed um, cheese that's made from cows who um, produce the A2 milk, you might do better off. Also, people tend to do better off with like a harder aged cheese, like cheddar versus like a soft cheese, like mozzarella. Okay. So that's something, but again, um, you know, it's not the end of the world if you do truly have a dairy sensitivity, um, yeah. because really the properties in dairy that's most beneficial are the, the fat and the cholesterol, mm -hmm. um, the omega-3s and the nutrients in there you can get from other food sources as well. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I like that, you know, it's not like a, you have to eat all of these. Because right. <laughs> I also know, you know, they're like vegans or vegetarians. Yeah, um, they yeah. might not be very um, inclined to do the whole grass-fed thing, but um, I'm so glad that you brought up liver because I'm a fan of liver too, and I find uh -huh. it like really awesome. Like I would do like a beef liver pate, and it's oh yeah, so simple to do. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, so I'm glad you really brought that up. Good. Um, okay, so you know, out of all these foods, are there like any mm -hmm. certain foods which can increase egg quality? Yeah, definitely. So I, um, you know, there's three main reasons why infertility, well, not just three, but the three major ones um, why infertility occurs is usually related to some sort of ovarian dysfunction. And that is often the result of number one, inflammation. Um, number two, some sort of autoimmune disease, such as um, hypothyroidism. And then number three, a hormonal imbalance. So when looking at ways to improve your egg quality and ovarian function, you want to try to target those three things if you can. Um, okay. So the first food that I like to recommend for women who maybe are a little bit older or trying to preserve their egg quality for as long as possible is just antioxidants, right? So those are, again, found in those powerful berries and uh, fruits and veggies that are dark in color, dark blues and reds and purples. Um, those are great. They help to fight uh, free radical damage, which again is just sort of a natural process as we age. It impacts our ovaries. Um, also, some of the toxins that we encounter throughout the day or throughout our lives, you know, even inadvertently can impact and age your ovaries. So again, the antioxidants job is to fight those free radicals and that free radical damage. Um, the other one is high fiber, low sugar foods. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, something that again, your audience is probably familiar with is um, the impact of insulin resistance and how that can be very, or high levels of insulin and blood sugar can be very inflammatory to the body. And that tends to be a side effect of PCOS. You know, sometimes they go hand in hand. And um, so eating foods that are high in fiber or cruciferous veggies like kale, cauliflower, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, um, those kind of things, those are helpful for 
mitigating the effect of your blood sugar spiking. They also are beneficial for helping your food waste to move through your GI system and excrete any excess estrogen that may be in your body. Um, and that's beneficial for women who might experience a hormonal imbalance such as um, high estrogen levels or excess estrogen, they call them, they call it. Um, so those, that's for, you know, managing blood sugar and, um, you know, managing hormonal imbalances. And then the last one is omega-3. So omega-3 fatty acids are extremely helpful for mediating the inflammatory response in the body, which again, going back to those main causes of ovulatory dysfunction, one of the big ones is inflammation. And um, inflammation can come from a number of things, but um, you know, sometimes it can come from maybe just eating a food that your body's sensitive to or something else, you know, um, maybe just overuse of your joints or overexercise or anything like that can cause inflammation. Mm -hmm. So again, those omega-3s are helpful at mediating that, um, that inflammatory response. Would you think the omega-3s, um, you know, it's sufficient enough from like foods or would you also like recommend people go on like an omega-3 supplement, for example? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it really depends what your diet looks like. If you're somebody who's getting fish in multiple times a week, maybe some red meat here and there or eating eggs on a daily basis, you might not need a supplement. Um, if you are, you know, really considering and you want that, um, that like backup plan in a way, if you're right. somebody who is about to become pregnant or just, just, you know, just found out that they're pregnant, um, a DHA supplement is always a good idea. Um, if you are somebody who's a vegetarian or a vegan, I would definitely recommend taking a DHA supplement, um, mm -hmm. specifically from like an algae product. That is one of the only plant sources that contains um, DHA and DHA is the most usable omega-3 for the body. So most other omega-3s have to be converted by the body into DHA in order to be used properly. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. That's very good. Um, I'm actually really excited about fatty acids because um, mm -hmm. recently I got a omega-3s test or I guess oh, a fatty yeah. acid test from Omega Quant, the company. Oh, cool. And so I'm going to... Um, just measure out like, you know, the levels of like EPA or DHA or trans fat in my body. And oh, wow, that's a sidetrack, but I'm re really excited to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely very interesting. That's yeah. cool. Um, okay. So we, you know, we've been talking about foods for like the women and like egg quality. Mm -hmm. um, are there any like food specific for their partner, like their spouse? <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes men think that they are going to be um, they have the easy road out. They don't have to carry the baby. They don't have to push the baby out right. of them. <laughs> but really, it, their sperm um, and semen quality is extremely important to not only achieving uh, pregnancy, but also the health of that embryo and reducing any risk of miscarriage. So I just tell women that their partners should be eating the same way that they are, you know, as nutrient dense as possible, focusing on foods that support um, the motility, morphology, and the count of sperm, which are all very important for, um, you know, becoming pregnant and becoming pregnant easily. So motility is how the sperm swim, uh, morphology is their size, and then obviously count is just the number of sperm. So some of those foods specifically are just, you know, nutrient dense um, 
lots of vitamins, vitamin A, vitamin E, C, um, B vitamins, specifically like folate. Um, selenium is a really great one for males because it helps again with that motility and the morphology. Um, folate and zinc kind of go hand in hand to um, work with or to help improve the males um, their, um, what is it, their DNA. So the okay. DNA stability of the, the semen, or I'm sorry, of the sperm. Um, and then, yeah, just antioxidants, same kind of thing as women, like making sure that those sperm are, um, are not uh, like on the receiving end of free radical damage, right. same thing with the ovaries. And then just in general, some lifestyle recommendations usually that I provide for men is, um, you know, avoiding excessive exercise, wearing really tight clothing down there. Um, what else, you know, avoiding soy or excessive soy consumption. Um, there's some research that supports that excessive soy consumption can alter the um, DNA in certain, you know, in sperm. Um, but yeah, and avoiding hot baths. <laughs> so keeping keeping okay. all those parts cool for the most part. Yeah, um, <laughs> that can all help when you're when you're trying to get pregnant. Okay, sounds good. I like that. Um, you know, the kind of like the same diet guidelines apply to both. Yes, the couple. <laughs> um, and I think you know it's like kind of like um, like a general guideline too. Like everyone yeah. let's eat more vegetables and fruit and antioxidants and omega three. Right. So absolutely um, yeah <laughs> I think it really <laughs> breaks it down for like someone who might be feeling overwhelmed of like mm -hmm. oh my god do I have to overhaul my diet if I want to like you know yeah no and I think a big part of it is really just like starting where you are if you're somebody who just eats like fast food three days three days a week maybe just start by cutting back and mm -hmm. not three days a week three times a day um just start by cutting that back a little bit and introducing some fresh greens and healthy grass-fed animal products into your diet you know yeah that sounds good um okay so I guess this might be the same answer as before so if someone went off the birth control you know and had missing periods sort of like yeah. you and sort of like me too actually mm -hmm. um are there any ways they can be able to use their diet to help them get a regular cycle yeah, definitely. I mean, so some of it is just going to be a matter of time. Um, I usually tell women to give themselves at least a year or two to prepare for pregnancy um, or to plan, you know, if you're on the pill, give yourself that window of time so that, you know, you can give your body time to readjust to get a regular cycle back and also to replenish some of the nutrient stores that may have been depleted by the pill. Um, so there's pretty much like four main things that I usually tend, women, tend to have women focus on. Again, that first is just replenishing nutrient stores, specifically B vitamins like folate, um, selenium, magnesium, zinc. Those are the type of nutrients that could be potentially depleted um, by being on birth control long term. The second is really just reducing stress in your life as much as you can. Um, so again, in my own personal experience, I, um, when I came off the pill, I was very at a position where I was pretty stressed out all the time. And, um, and then suddenly circumstances changed several months later. And I noticed my stress level was much like much lower. My exercise routine was getting back to normal. Um, and suddenly my period started regulating itself. So I really do think that kind of proper sleep and making sure your, your exercise habits are 
are in check. Um, and again, just lowering those stress levels, those cortisol levels yeah. um, can really, really impact your cycle. Um, and then the third thing is um, making sure that you're eating enough dietary cholesterol because mm -hmm. your sex hormones are um, primarily produced by cholesterol. Like that is the backbone of these hormones. And yes, although our body does um, produce its own cholesterol. Um, if you're somebody who already is experiencing like low hormone production, you mm. want to make sure that you're supporting those hormones as much as possible by giving your body the nutrition that it needs. So again, cholesterol tends to get a bad rap because of heart disease and all this, but really the root of that is actually sugar and inflammation. So right. if you're treating your body the right way on those other fronts and eating a little bit of dietary cholesterol, you know, again, when you're trying to regulate your cycle is not the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the last thing is to support your liver and your gut, because those systems are really the primary uh, ways that your body detoxifies, um, and also rids of any toxins that might've accumulated from the pill, um, and also helps to, um, like package up any excess ex estrogen and get rid of it through the gut. So kind of things we talked about before that supports your gut is those mm -hmm. prebiotics, uh, I'm sorry, the probiotics, but also prebiotics in fruits and veggies. Um, and then cruciferous veggies, those are not only great for the gut because they have high levels of fiber, they're also beneficial for supporting your liver and the detoxification of, um, you know, all those process, uh, the excess hormones, I guess mm -hmm. you could say. Mm -hmm. Those are great tips. Um, yeah, I recently ran like a free fertility challenge and oh, cool. that's like some stuff I covered too, but I really, I'm really glad that you talked about the whole dietary cholesterol thing um i also read somewhere that you know over 80 percent of the cholesterol is produced by the liver so when we get tested for cholesterol actually um you know having dietary cholesterol doesn't really affect it as much mm -hmm. even through eggs um that's definitely a really really key point to make uh yeah Oh, that's so neat. Yeah, I know. It's true. It's kind of sad because I was somebody who kind of came, you know, I'm a nurse. So that's what I was taught in nursing school, right? It's right. low fat um, diet is the way to go. But and you know, maybe for some people that that is the right diet. If you're a little bit older, and you already have a pre existing heart condition, or you have some genetic um, conditions that makes you have like that quote, unquote, bad cholesterol. Mm -hmm. um, those are the folks that maybe should be fo following a lower cholesterol diet. But for the most part, women in their 20s and 30s who are healthy and, you know, don't have heart conditions, I don't see the, the problem of adding a little bit of animal products into your diet. <laughs> right. Okay, that's awesome. Um, okay, so kind of shifting away from the whole nutritional aspect, mm -hmm. what are some difficulties you've seen faced by women who, uh, you know, have trouble conceiving? Yeah, so I think just in general, it's a very frustrating and isolating experience for women. Um, you know, it's not talked enough about, or it's not talked about enough in our society, unfortunately. Um, and in a way, women are very hesitant to share about their pregnancy until they've made it past the first trimester, which I completely understand, right? Because miscarriage is so common. Um, but in a way, I feel that we should almost start opening up about it sooner so that we can all be in it together and support one another going through those challenges. Um, but in terms of difficulties, I think that um, some of the, the more um, common causes of women 
struggling with infertility are some sort of structural abnormality, like maybe their tubes are blocked, their fallopian tubes are blocked, um, or they have, you know, a certain shaped uterus that might um, impair proper, um, proper of, well, what's it called? <laughs> when um, the embryo the adheres to the Yes, thank you, implantation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, conditions like hypothalamic amenorrhea and PCOS and those hormone imbalances, those can all be related to uh, fertility. Um, the other thing is, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, is hypothyroidism and thyroid problems. That's something I see a lot um, in my personal practice, but also in um, in the fertility clinic that I work for. And, okay. um, you know, unfortunately, the normal TSH, the thyroid stimulating hormone that many Western practitioners test for, the normal range is 0 0.4 to 4.5. However, for women looking to conceive, the ideal range is to keep that under 2.5. And unfortunately, our doctors aren't telling us that. So women, you know, may have an elevated, well, not elevated, but above optimal TSH and trying to conceive and then experiencing multiple miscarriages. Mm. So I think, um, you know, I think education and um, educating the, the like women about these things is so important. Um, so again, thyroid is really important because your thyroid hormone is responsible for producing much of the progesterone from the corpus luteum. Um, and that progesterone is really important to maintain the fetus in the womb until about 10 weeks of age of gestation when that fetus's placenta can take over that progesterone production. So, you know, just educating women on, um, on their bodies, on their cycles and, and natural fertility and all that I think is just um, missing so that we can all feel a little bit more supported by one another. Yeah. So just to recap that whole link sure. about, you know, uh, women who have miscarriage early on, you know, it could be mm -hmm. due to like their thyroid not functioning well. And this is, you know, it could be due to like, you know, um, lack of education about the whole testing thing and mm -hmm. also like insufficient nutrients. And I'm also seeing, I think, like a lot of stress and pressure on mm. themselves to be fertile mm -hmm. and all that. Um, right. I'm really glad you brought up the whole TSH thing because I also think that a lot of subclinical hypothyroidism, which is like, you know, when women have thyroid symptoms, but they're not diagnosed with anything, right. um, mm -hmm. it's missing because only TSH is tested, but, you know, not mm -hmm. the whole full thyroid panel is. So yeah. that's, I think, also something that is really missing from like a woman's knowledge of like what tests to get, which right. is a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a whole other conversation for sure. But yeah, yeah, I know you're so right. And the one thing that I try to encourage, I mean, in my personal practice, I don't really do, well, I don't do any testing personally. I'm, you know, um, with my coaching clients, we're really looking at symptoms and um, fluctuations in their menstrual cycle and things that they're experiencing to identify possible hormonal imbalances. And that's one big thing is the thyroid, you know, like if you're experiencing hair loss, weight gain, um, feeling cold all the time, dry skin, like all those classic symptoms, but your thyroid isn't elevated. Well, it's like, well, something's going on, you know right. what I mean? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's definitely, um, I think it's really important. And Again, off too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Well, that's really good info. I hope everyone will get something out of it. 
Um, and so, you know, if someone wants to find out more about what you do and even maybe even get coached by you, where can they find you? Yeah. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is Trywell Women's Health and that's T-R-I-W-E-L-L Women's Health. Um, you can also find me on my website, which is just www.trywellwomenshealth.com or feel free to message me, um, you know, on Instagram, like I said, and, um, yeah. And my coaching packages, again, what I really like to focus on is supporting you wherever you are, whether that be, um, somebody who's already struggling with fertility or a woman who's trying to just optimize their preconception health. If you're planning for pregnancy or even women who are looking to work on balancing their hormones and get their cycle a little bit more regular and, you know, optimizing their nutrient density of their diet. I love that. I think it's very well-rounded and very holistic. <laughs> um, definitely loving your vibe. <laughs> so um, go find her and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. I was honored to be here. <laughs>